You're listening to the Ideal Life Club podcast, episode 34. Welcome to the Ideal Life Club podcast, where it's all about fast-tracking your ideal life. Join your host, life coach, and author of The Happiness Habits Transformation, Michelle Reeves, for inspiration and practical tips to finally claim success on your terms with clarity, confidence, and the courage to unleash your passion on the world. Productivity, it isn't just about getting things done. Productivity is defined as the effectiveness of productive effort, especially in industry, and as measured in terms of the rate of output per unit of input. Essentially, it's a measurement of how efficient you are. For some people, it's simpler to view productivity in the currency of time. So there's only 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour, and 60 seconds in a minute. If you live for 60 years, and I sincerely hope you will live a lot longer than that, you will have lived 525,600 minutes. While you can lose and gain money, esteem, friends, possessions and more, the one commodity you can never get back is time. Improving productivity in your profession helps you get more accomplished in less time, allowing you more time to go about enjoying the rest of those minutes you have. Productivity in business is not simply doing something for the sake of getting it done. It's about doing the right things at the right time to achieve maximum efficiency for your effort. Believe it or not, efficiency is sometimes about doing nothing at all. Taking a break, recharging your batteries, mentally preparing for what comes next. The real key to remember is that everyone has unique needs when it comes to maximizing efficiency for optimum peak productivity. If your goal is to accomplish more in less time, then you need to make the following seven steps the foundation of your work week. Number one, know your productivity type. Number two, discover your peak energy time. Number three, Get yourself a simple kitchen timer. Number four, make friends with your calendar. Number five, batch your tasks and theme your weeks. Number six, schedule in your downtime. And number seven, review, reconsider and rework. And we'll be going through each of the steps in this episode. So each step is essential for helping you to learn to manage your time rather than being managed by the lengthy list of items on your to-do list. You know, those never-ending lists that just seem to grow overnight. Doesn't it seem like you cross off one at a time but then you add three more in its place? This kind of rat race makes it seem like you will never catch up and never have time to relax. But as you learn more about your personal productivity needs, you will find that you are not only able to improve the quantity of work you accomplish in your day, but also the quality of work you accomplish. How does this happen? You will learn how to make small tweaks to your work habits to improve your mood and your productivity. We will focus on learning how to do certain tasks during the hours when you are most productive, focusing your attention in small bursts of time and scheduling vital downtime on your calendar so you have an opportunity to enhance creativity, boost energy and get a greatly improved return on investment for your time. 
So let's get started with step one. Know your productivity type. Are you the type of task-driven person who can't stand seeing unchecked boxes on your to-do list? Or are you driven by deadlines and can't seem to get started until a hard deadline is looming on your projects? Knowing your productivity type can help you prioritize your work so you can accomplish more in your day. There are four different productivity styles that we are going to discuss today. One of these likely applies to you and the more you know about your own productivity style, the better able you will be to find the right cues to keep you on task and on target throughout your day. So the first one is the prioritizer. The prioritizer prefers to stick to the facts. They like data, logic, and are exceptional at critical thinking. They are so focused on their tasks, they may not be able to invest much attention or effort on determining how the task needs to be done. As the title implies, the prioritizer is exceptionally skilled at prioritizing tasks, so they are uber efficient and can easily meet deadlines. They can make decisions easily, but often prefer to work alone. On the flip side, some of the prioritizer's pet peeves may include daydreaming, idle office gossip, missing or incomplete data, inefficient use of time, vague instructions, or water cooler conversations. A prioritizer is an exceptional worker, even in a tight team environment. They just don't want to be in charge of the team. Give them their directions and their deadline and they are off to the races. Prioritizers who work alone can benefit from hiring a coach to map out a business plan and talk about their goals. And then once those goals are set, prioritizers can focus on the smaller tasks leading to those goals. The second style is the planner. The planner is a detailed thinker who is always organized and thrives on detailed plans, lists, and orders. They are well aware of deadlines and always make a to-do list at the end of their business day. Planners are not very spontaneous, however, and may struggle with creative thinking or working outside the box. They may also find it difficult to contribute in meetings because they need a little bit more time to think about the topic in depth before contributing ideas or solutions. Planners also have difficulty reprioritizing tasks and don't take to change very well. Once a planner figures out their peak energy and how to maximize their use of those hours, they are an unstoppable force. They know exactly what to do from their list and feel empowered taking advantage of peak work hours. In a team environment, planners are key to finishing projects on time. They are the keepers of the work schedule and will hold the other team members to account for meeting their deadlines. The third type is the arranger. The arranger is an emotional being who thrives on working in groups, managing meetings, and creating and selling their ideas. They have a bubbly personality and would cringe at the idea of working alone. They need that personal interaction and thrive in a group setting. They're often thoughtful and encouraging to others and excel in team projects or when partnering with another person. However, a weakness of the arranger is easily getting distracted by chit chat and struggling to focus on their tasks. Implementing a technique like the Pomodoro technique can greatly help arrangers focus because they know in a short amount of time they can reward themselves by chatting with others. 
in a team setting, arrangers quickly take control of the group and assign tasks to each team member. They act as the team cheerleader by encouraging other team members and having a positive attitude about the project at hand. Arrangers who work solo, however, tend to rely on social media for their personal interaction. They can also benefit from a shared workspace or from working in a coffee house where there's a constant hum of activity. And the fourth and final type is the visualizer. So the visualizer needs to juggle multiple projects at any given time to maintain interest in anything. They're full of ideas and energy to begin projects, but often find completing them difficult. They need an office that's nearly as cluttered as their mind and they love it there. If you have 15 piles of paper on your desk, you'll know exactly what's in each of those 15 piles if you are a visualizer. Visualizers are creative thinkers who are spontaneous. They can easily switch gears on projects and they welcome change. They also see the big picture and tend to focus on the end result as opposed to the smaller tasks which lead to that end result. Working on a team, visualizers can run amok with a project if they aren't reined in. However, they often have brilliant ideas to enhance any project and are quick to mention ideas in a meeting. For visualizers who work solo, batch tasks and theme weeks may help them to maintain their focus without growing too bored with the scenery. The better you understand your productivity type, the more tools you can utilize to maximize your potential and that of your business. So let's just do a quick summary of these different productivity types to help you identify which one you are most closely linked to. You like facts, data and logic. You're a critical thinker. You attack your task list like a champion. You don't like to waste time. You need firm deadlines. You prefer to tackle one goal at a time versus multitasking. You can come across as rigid, controlling, and a bit competitive, and you care more about getting the task complete rather than how it gets done. If that's you, you are likely to be a prioritizer. However, if you're not spontaneous and it's difficult for you to think outside the box, you love lists and are detail-oriented, you need to understand the sequence of tasks, love calendars or project planning tools, you thrive on having a schedule or action plan, your emails are detailed, often with bullet points, and you follow up with others quickly, then you are likely to be a planner. Now, you're an arranger if you love working in groups. Managing meetings comes easy to you. You are thoughtful and encouraging to others. You can get distracted by small talk, but you are a natural communicator. You need eye contact with others and are concerned with how tasks will help or affect them. And you often express concern for others. And finally, you are more likely to be a visualizer if you are full of ideas and energy. You often have difficulty finishing projects, but you thrive under pressure. You get bored handling just one product at a time. You are the ultimate multitasker. You focus more on the big picture than on small details. You are spontaneous and perhaps your workspace is a bit messy and you can easily integrate new ideas or concepts. Now, clearly you might not fit directly into one of these productivity types, but it's good to get an idea of which one you are most likely to move towards to help you work out 
the best productivity plan to maximize your efficiency in your workday. Once you know your productivity type, it's time to move on to step two, discover your peak energy time. So have you noticed that you seem to be more efficient at your job during certain hours of the day than others? Most people have times when all pistons are firing and during these times you're revved up and ready to roll. You also might have times when it's all you can do to keep your eyes open. It isn't about your natural sleep cycles, rather it's about your peak energy times. Learning to identify those hours when you're most and least productive can help you to arrange your workday so you accomplish vital tasks when your energy is high and focus on the more menial or administrative things during hours of low efficiency. So why are peak energy times so important? Well, your primary mission when working to improve your productivity is to identify your hours of peak performance and your hours of weak performance so you can use them both wisely. Trying to produce peak performance during hours when your energy is low and your attention is divided is like trying to swim against the current. You make little forward progress and you find that you're exhausted and frustrated as well. So when you learn to work with your peak energy times rather than against them, you will begin to feel as if you're moving with the flow and the current is actually carrying you through some of your tasks for the day, even tasks that you might ordinarily procrastinate taking on. So how do you identify the peaks and troughs in your energy? The first step in understanding your peak energy times of day is to observe yourself as you go about your day. So during what times of the day do you feel more creative, energized and ready to go? Some people stumble into work in the morning and search for the nearest vat of coffee. Seriously, it takes that much to get them going while others seem to be chipper as little squirrels scurrying about. People in the earlier group are obviously not in their peak performance patterns during this early part of the day and it may take them more time to get going and ready for work. While the latter group is off to the races and ready to topple dictatorships or the latest technological issue, whatever presents the most complex problem. Needless to say, this group of people is operating at their peak performance in the morning. On the flip side, they might well be in a comatose state once the 10pm news comes on TV. And that's definitely me. If you've never paid attention to these peaks and troughs before, start taking note of how you feel during certain times of the day. Make a note in your journal or a memo app on your phone. And also take note of how you feel after mealtimes because your diet can also play a part in your energy supply. After a few days of note-taking, you'll begin to notice a pattern and you can learn to capitalize on the peak times. So, how do you go about doing that? Well, most energy spikes last about 90 minutes and some people will experience two or three peaks and troughs in a 24-hour period. Once you've identified your highs and lows, the key is to tackle the right tasks at the right time. For example, you want to tackle your most demanding tasks during the hours when you have the greatest amount of energy. Then you want to distribute tasks that require less energy during the times when your mental focus is maybe divided and you're easily distracted. Arranging your tasks according to your peaks and troughs will help you accomplish more in the same amount of time while also improving the quality of your work. And in the freebie for this episode, I've got a task priority matrix to help you decide which tasks to do at which point during the day. 
Plus, there's a table to help you track your energy peaks and troughs during the day, find a pattern and work on your quick wins and major projects during those peak times. But for right now, we're moving on to step three. Get yourself a simple kitchen timer. It sounds really simplistic, doesn't it? The idea that a kitchen timer can help you to eke out a momentous amount of added productivity in your day. But it is a tried and true tactic that has helped many seasoned professionals accomplish so much more in less time. You've probably heard of it. It's called the Pomodoro Technique and the philosophy behind it is sound. So have you heard the old riddle? How do you eat an elephant? The answer is one bite at a time. And it's meant to show that sometimes tasks seem too big to swallow in a single bite, like the elephant. The Pomodoro technique helps you break down these huge tasks into bite-sized chunks. So rather than attempting to eat the entire elephant in one bite or complete the entire task in one marathon work session, you break it down into smaller pieces using a kitchen timer. So if you're like the average person, just like me, you probably tend to procrastinate with projects that seem too big to tackle. You put them off until it's do or die time and then you feel like you've sprinted an entire marathon by the time you finish. By using a timer though, you can break down the project into short timed intervals of focused energy. 25 minutes is the recommended interval for this method, but you can figure out which is right for you. Once you set the timer, you focus only on your project and nothing else until the timer rings. No phone, no emails, no social media. Only a strict focus on the task at hand. And then you take a break. Five minutes is perfect. It's enough time to give your brain a break, but not enough that you get pulled into another distraction. So don't forget to set a timer here as well. Use this time for maybe a bathroom break, refill your water bottle or simply get off your chair and have a good stretch. Once you've completed four of these sessions, you can take a longer break, maybe make it 20 to 30 minutes, long enough to fully recharge, and then you begin the process again. So why is this technique so effective? Well, maintaining focus is one of the most difficult things people struggle with in an average workday. It's hard to stay focused on deep tasks when there's so many distractions. Email, phone calls, Facebook, Pinterest, they're all just a click away. And when you're working on the computer and any one of those things has the potential to pound a giant rabbit hole that you just can't climb out of. The Pomodoro technique allows you to indulge in these things in short spurts, but pulls you back into your work quickly when your mini breaks are over. Now, just a point here about using a kitchen timer rather than your phone timer. Kitchen timers are a small investment, but it's well worth the price you pay to avoid the distractions that exist on your phone where you can access games, Facebook, Instagram, and more. The goal after all is to improve productivity and not provide an additional opportunity to embrace those distractions. And I know that's definitely an issue for me. Of course, there are also Pomodoro apps available for your phone, which can block access to your phone during work time. And this reinforces the need to focus on your task. One app is called Forest, which allows you to set a timer for any interval and then a tree grows while you're working. It is fun. If you access the phone before the timer goes off, your tree is going to die. But if you continue working until you break, your tree is added to your own personal forest. If you don't really care about growing trees, you can check out the many other Pomodoro apps on iTunes and Google Play Store. 
Now, you might be feeling a bit skeptical about whether this process can work for you, but I would just say try it on for size. See what a difference it could make. At worst, you'll have a new timer for your kitchen, and at best, you might find a whole new world of productivity possibilities and a lot of completed projects. Okay, let's move on to step four. Make friends with your calendar. So your calendar is something you may look at every single day when working, but is it a useful tool or do you mostly just take it for granted? It's something that's always there and quite frankly, it tends to be underutilized. Don't make that mistake because it could eliminate all your efforts to boost productivity and you can squeeze much better results from your workday efforts if you are best friends with your calendar. Here's some tips to help you get better results from your calendar efforts. Use one calendar. So this calendar will be your lifeline for personal and business appointments, errands, to-do lists, and so much more. I find if I try and keep separate calendars for business and personal appointments, one or the other of them will eventually become a tool of frustration. Using a calendar that syncs with all your devices means you never have to worry about missing an appointment. And if you're worried about keeping business and personal appointments separate, then maybe use color coding so you can prioritize and when necessary, delegate. I am a huge fan of Google Calendar, which also allows you to sync calendars with your family members so everyone has access to each other's schedules, which is great because there's no more guessing about who's picking up who from school and it means there's a lot less stress. The second tip is to record appointments immediately. So waiting to do this increases the odds that you'll forget a key detail about the appointment or forget to record it altogether. Besides, it's a good habit to get into personally and professionally. You could consider using an online appointment program where your clients can see the times you're available and book their appointments online, no matter the time of day. Very often they'll book a time and then it's added straight into your main calendar. I use a scheduling system like this and the one I love to use is called Acuity. You can read more about it in the show notes for episode 31 at michellereevescoaching.com forward slash 31. You can also schedule in work time too, which sometimes means you just simply have to pencil in time to get your work done. Otherwise, your world becomes one meeting after another with little time left over to actually get anything done. Pencil in blocks of time each day to focus on your key projects. Maybe take advantage of peak energy time for work and then use lower energy time for meetings whenever possible so your best hours aren't wasted. But of course, this is going to depend on the kind of work that you do. But definitely, I like to block book out time in my calendar for projects that I know are going to work towards my biggest, most exciting goals of the year. Another tip is to make your calendar public. So if others in your company, in your organization can see the hours you've blocked off for productive work and the hours you have available, then there's going to be fewer, fewer conflicting events. There are also online project management tools like Basecamp, which allow your team to log their vacation time days off. And they can also log in and see when you schedule days for like media interviews or client work or project work or whatever. 
sometimes a tool as simple as a calendar can actually help you establish these kind of boundaries and it helps you keep your schedule in check and that can boost your personal productivity and job performance. And in the freebie, I've got a little table which will help you decide which kind of calendar is your perfect match. So moving on to step five, batch your tasks, theme your weeks. So real time management masters know that to be truly efficient, batching is where it's at. Videos on Mondays, writing on Tuesdays, client calls on Wednesdays, you get the idea. But did you know you can make one giant leap forward by adding themes to your week too? So what are the benefits of batching tasks? Well, batching tasks allows you to focus all your attention on one specific task for the day. When you have a permanent rotation of tasks to accomplish within the work week, you'll find that you become quite efficient at each task in a day because you're not distracted by other tasks that need to be done as well. Combine this with the Pomodoro technique and you'll be zooming through your day, getting so much more accomplished than you could have imagined. What does it mean to add a theme to your week? Well, once you have a pretty good productivity flow where you manage various parts of your business in batches, you can take things forward another step by focusing the time you're not devoting to the batch tasks for the day to working towards the goals of a theme that you've identified. So possible themes can vary according to the business you're in and the goals that you've set yourself, but it could include some of these kind of themes. Client acquisition, boosting sales, developing new revenue streams, tax planning, organization, maybe blog planning and maintenance, website development, search engine optimization, brand building, mentoring, creating new products or online courses, refining and improving existing products, or even recruiting. Once you find a group of themes that benefit your business, you can rotate those themes to see how quickly this focus helps you to, for example, improve your sales and grow your income. And I've included a table in this week's freebie to help you create your own weekly themes. Let's move on to step six, schedule in your downtime. Burnout is a very real problem in every profession. No one can work efficiently if they're constantly overworked. So taking regular downtime is essential for keeping pace with a productive schedule and maintaining your creativity and passion for your business. Downtime absolutely helps you restore that passion. It's hard to be passionate about anything when all you feel is exhausted. No matter how much pride you take in watching your business grow, that excitement can quickly go when you're having a hard time putting one foot in front of the other. Scheduling downtime helps you keep your focus on the reason you chose to create a business in the first place. Some people give 180% to building their businesses only to lose sight of why they started in the first place. Don't be that person. If you ask the average person why they went into business, the answer is often a search for more freedom. Freedom to have more time with their family, financial freedom, freedom from being chained to a desk eight hours a day, freedom to be at home with their children and still earn an income. Whatever your reason, you probably never envisioned 10 to 12 hour days without taking breaks or having any downtime at all. What you may not realize about downtime is that it's important for your brain to recover, regenerate and reconnect with your inner creativity. The same creativity that's necessary to help your business grow. 
Without sufficient downtime in each day, you're going to quickly become stagnant and your business will suffer as a result. Most people understand the importance of vacation and time away from the office for helping you to recharge your batteries and get back to work, but it's more difficult for us to grasp the concept that it's equally necessary to have moments of reflection during the day. These moments come in the form of regular breaks. Now the Pomodoro technique discussed in step three is really effective here. Using the technique forces you to take those little micro breaks every 25 minutes and longer breaks every two hours. Following this technique forces you to follow through and actually take those regular breaks. So how do you plan to work downtime into your daily routine? Try it for a week and see what a difference it makes in your business. And in the freebie, I've got a table to help you actually schedule that downtime into your days. And the final step is step seven, review, reconsider and rework. So like any good system, the system you follow to improve productivity and time management needs to constantly evolve just as your needs change. It's important that we take the time at least once a year to figure out what's working for us and what isn't. Once you've made those key determinations, it's time to make changes designed to improve your time management skills and boost personal and professional productivity. So the first thing is to review your productivity techniques. While most of the time it's best to focus on the road ahead, there are times when you see things more clearly in the rear view mirror than when it's looking at what's ahead of you. The time to review your techniques to see what is working is one of those times. So consider all the steps and techniques that I've talked about today, as well as the ones you've developed on your own to see which ones provide the best results for you. Capitalize on those techniques that deliver results time and again for you. These techniques and productivity tactics will become the foundational cornerstones of your business. Then reconsider what doesn't work. If it isn't working for you, it's time to consider shaking things up and making changes. But you don't have to abandon a technique that hasn't yet fully realized its potential for you. Look at it closely to see if perhaps it's not the best utilization of that technique. You may find there are other ways for boosting productivity that match your interests and personal style better. Those may be worth trying instead of something that isn't currently delivering the right results for you. And the third thing is rework productivity enhancements that just aren't comfortable yet. In some cases, you just need to rework your approach and make subtle changes designed to boost potential for enhancing your business. Your current efforts may not be quite there yet, but you still feel as if you're getting somewhere. Nothing works for every person every time, so you might need to tweak and twist and turn the same techniques that appear to be working for everyone else to make them your own so they work for you. Make changes, measure results. Don't be afraid to go back to the drawing board if necessary. Boosting productivity can take time, so as long as you keep working towards a more productive workday, you will continue to see improvements. So there you have it, my seven reliable steps to peak productivity and time management. As I mentioned at the beginning, I've created a freebie for you, which is an ebook containing all the details and exercises from this episode. So don't forget to head over to michellereevescoaching.com forward slash 34 to download your copy. 
Okay, that's all for me today. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So do drop me an email at michelle at michellereevescoaching.com. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today. I'll be back in a couple of weeks time sharing another inspiring interview. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. Before I go, if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes so that more amazing women get to hear the podcast. And in the meantime, until next time, be positive, be powerful, be productive, and keep fast-tracking your ideal life. Bye for now.